0: welcome to the martech
1: podcast today we're going to discuss thinking holistically about how to drive more customers to convert on your website joining us is chris daly who is the owner of smart cro which is a consultancy that helps customers increase revenue generated from their website through data-driven site designs chris has conducted thousands of cro experiments for a variety of high-profile companies including a couple of my favorites the guitar center and social media examiner and today, Chris and I are going to talk about crafting a value proposition that resonates with your traffic. Okay, here's the conversation with Chris Daly, owner at Smart CRO. Chris, welcome to the MarTech Podcast. I'm excited to be here. Thanks for having me. The timing for this conversation could not be better. My team and I have been working on the martechpod.com website. We're getting close to pushing everything live and pushing the ship away from the shore. I'm terrified. <laughs> Let's talk a little bit about how to make sure that the message that you're crafting for your website actually makes sense. Tell us a little bit about you, about your customers, and what some of your strategies for CRO?
2: Long story short, I'm a longtime digital marketer. I've been in the digital marketing space for over a decade now. Started out doing search engine optimization, which everybody knows is about driving traffic to the site and ended up discovering conversion rate optimization kind of by accident in about a six month time frame. One of the companies I was at, we tripled our organic traffic, which I don't think you could do nowadays. Well, you probably can, but not as easily as it was 10 years ago, and created an interesting problem. We tripled our traffic, but we did not triple our conversions. So then of course, the question is, well, why? Does this mean our traffic sucks? I refuse to believe that, of course, as an SEO. So I started digging in to figure out, well, what can be done about this problem? So I discovered the idea of conversion optimization so that you can run tests to figure out what people want to see. So my first A-B test that I ran, I had no business running an A-B test. I didn't know what I was doing, but I figured, what the heck, I got nothing to lose. So I found a template. I actually used Unbounce to run my first test. Don't kill me because it's not a true A-B testing tool, but... I figured it was an easy place to start. So I used one of Unbounce's landing page templates and I tested it against one of our very professionally beautifully designed website landing pages and the Unbounce template won. It did not look better. I basically just plugged our content into the template and it performed about 20% better. Now, this caused an uproar at the company I was at. The designer said, well, we're not putting that dumb template on the site. It doesn't fit our branding, all this stuff. But at that point, I was hooked on this idea of CRO within a matter of a month, was able to increase conversion rates pretty dramatically. So what this did for me is, first of all, it gave me a passion for the idea of CRO, but it also created a major question in my brain, which was, why did this happen? What was it about this new page that caused people to convert better? So I mean, of course, that's the whole idea behind conversion rate optimization is what is it that drives people to make decisions? So what I've done is over the last about eight years, I've developed a process so that instead of just randomly testing crap on my website, now there is a process for investigating and exploring how do we determine what people want to see on a website? How do we refine existing content, design, you know, things on a website. So for value proposition, for example, there's a lot of questions that businesses really should ask that they're not currently when they're creating value propositions. So you talked about creating a new website. When you're creating a new website, that is the best time to start asking a bunch of questions about what exactly is our value proposition. There's all kinds of things that businesses really ought to be doing to craft a value proposition that resonates. So that's kind of what my process helps people figure out.
1: So, what I'm hearing is that it was love at first, a B test. Exactly. And early on, you learned a lesson that's confusing to a lot of marketers excuse my language, the ugly shit always works best. (laughs) And it's like the Facebook and Amazon design conundrum, apologies to the designers at Facebook and Amazon, but Facebook basically grew on the back of emails that had very little formatting. And Amazon won the e-commerce game using a site that some could describe as ugly AF, but it had all of the things in the right places. And so there's a mixture of the message, the function, functionality, and placement, and then all of the design elements that we all love and make us feel like a website has a great experience. Let's focus in mostly on the messaging for today. When you're working with some of your customers... How do you help them think about what they wanna say when they're optimizing their website or launching a new one? How do you figure out how to craft the message so it converts?
2: So there's a few simple questions that I'll usually start with. The first thing I usually will have my clients do is list out all of your value propositions that you can think of. Now, if you don't know what a value proposition is, then usually what I will ask is, what exactly is it that you're offering on each page of your site? You're going to have a different value proposition for each page of your website. So your home page, it might be a generic value proposition saying, we do X, Y, and Z. That could be your value proposition for the page. And then on a service-specific or product-specific page, you might have a ton of value propositions. You know, if you're selling a product, you might ask something like, what pain points does this product resolve? So you might say, helps you sleep better, helps you sleep cooler, you know, more comfortable. I'm listing off, uh, I was just looking at pillows yesterday and so it's fresh on my mind. So
1: (laughs) I was wondering where that was coming from.
2: Yeah, right. (laughs) Um, These pillows help you sleep cooler, holds its shape, And then the other kinds of things that you want to... So first of all, I'll usually ask, what pain points does your product or service help resolve? And then second, I'll ask, how are you different or better or maybe worse than your competition?
1: Let me jump in here and ask you a question about that because we're talking about value propositions, which to me, I think of the value prop as as kind of the headline that the copy mostly at the top of the page, what you're using to draw someone in to describe something but you're also mentioning multiple value props, which I think more as selling points. Time for a one-minute break to hear from our presenting sponsor, Mutinex. In 1919, John Wanamaker said, Half the money I spend on advertising is wasted. I just don't know which half. Well, the advertising landscape has changed since then, and instead of reaching your audience on two channels, you're probably reaching them on 20. Turns out John didn't know how easy he had it. Ready to take your team from I think to I know? Then join brands like Samsung, ING, and Asahi who make better marketing decisions with Mutinex. Mutinex Growth OX, the marketing mixed modeling platform that makes measuring ROI fast, easy, and cost effective. Request a demo at Mutinex.co. That's M U T I N E X.co. How do you differentiate between what is sort of the priority message, the summary, And what are some of the supporting points?
2: I'm going to take one step back and I'm going to just mention a principle. This is an economics principle that everyone's probably heard. So somebody's motivation to convert on your site is equal to the perceived value minus the perceived cost. So one of the first things that you need to understand is what the perceived costs are of your product or service. There's lots of perceived costs. It could be the time that somebody has to spend on your website. It could be the dollar amount that they have to spend. It could be the hassle of filling out a form on your site and getting called by your sales guys or giving you their email address and getting harassed with a bunch of emails. It could be the amount of time that they have to spend watching a video or reading your content. I mean, there's all kinds of costs. So the most important thing to understand is your value propositions are intended to increase the perceived value. So somebody needs to understand why is your site or your service or your product valuable to me. So you're talking about page hierarchy. The first thing you see on the page theoretically is the most important thing. And then as you go down from there, you should be adding context, you should be clarifying, and refining what that leading statement leads me to believe.
1: Let me play devil's advocate for a second. You said that the first statement on the page is what drives the most value or something to that extent. I would make an argument that the first thing on the page should be the most engaging, not necessarily one that provides the most value because you want to be able to tell the narrative. You might need to build up to the most important point. How do you reconcile those two statements?
2: So I think we're saying the same thing. When I say the first thing on the page is the most important or it's the most valuable, that is the hook, right? That is the thing that is going to set the stage for the rest of your site. And so if you have a headline that is a bunch of marketing fluff, which a lot of people use headlines for marketing fluff, where you say things like, change your life today, something like that.
1: I'll give you an example. My consulting site, benjshap.com. The homepage, the first line is it's not personal, it's not business, it's business with personality. Mm -hmm. The second line is, are you ready to give your brand a voice? And then the third line is, here's what my consulting practice actually does. You know, I provide consulting services, blah, blah, blah. Mm -hmm. I feel like the most attention grabbing is that first part.
2: So the question is, and this is where A-B testing becomes really handy. The question is, what is the most compelling thing that you can put up at the top of your page. Because again, going off of page hierarchy, the vast majority of people are going to read things in the order you present them. If you give them a headline, that's usually gonna be the first thing that they read. And so the question is, what is the most compelling thing that I can say if somebody was coming to my website and they only read that? What's the most compelling thing I could say? So what you've done is you started out with a question. You've asked a question that you believe will be either thought-provoking or compelling enough that they have to read the next statement. So that can work particularly well with some demographics. Now, some demographics hate that because you're not being transparent with them right from the get-go. Now, they can scroll down or they can continue reading and you become more transparent with them in your third sentence. But again, you have to figure out what is right for my audience. Should I have some kind of a hook that might be ambiguous or it might be some kind of a thought-provoking question? Or should I say, we provide X, Y, and Z services? Because when you lead with the context of we do X, Y, and Z, it helps people to understand very quickly, I'm in the right place. So this is where one of the key questions that I have for my clients is, do you know which value propositions generate a response with your audience? Do you know which value propositions out of all of them? Because I would guess that if I was to ask you or any marketer, what are the value propositions? What are your company's value propositions? You could give me a list of 15 of them. So my question is, do you know which one, two, or three of them generates the biggest response? that elicits the most emotion from your audience, gets them the most excited, is the most relevant to their buying experience. Because if you know that, then you can figure out what should I show first on my website? What should I show second? Tell me what your opening question was again.
1: It was actually an opening statement. It's not business. It's not personal. It's business with personality. And then the second one was, are you ready to give your brand a voice? That's right.
2: So those things that you said in your opening statement, and then your follow-up question, if you know that those are things that resonate with your audience, that might be a killer way to start your website off. If it doesn't resonate, or if it doesn't compel your audience to continue reading or to take action, then you might be wasting a lot of really valuable space on your site on fluff.
1: So let's talk about how you actually realize what resonates and what doesn't. Getting into some of the CRO tactics, I've got a couple different statements on my website. How do I figure out what actually makes an impact?
2: So the first thing that you need to do is, like I was mentioning, what I will typically have my clients do first is list out all of your value propositions. List out all of the things that you could say on your site. Most likely are things that you are saying on your site, but just list them all out in no particular order. Because as marketers, we already tend to think we know what's going to work best. Of course we do. (laughs) Right. So I say in no particular order, because you want to discard your assumptions. Even if you've done what most marketers have done, which is we've like surveyed people, or we've talked to people, or we've tested out different ad copy, that kind of stuff. Even if you've done that, still just make an unbiased list of all of the things that you could theoretically say on your page. And then you can use some of your qualifying information if you've talked to customers, if you've talked to potential clients, whatever, and they've told you, well, these are the things that are most important to me. You can put those things closer to the top of your list. But then the important part here is... Then you want to run an A-B test and it can be as simple as, let's test the first value proposition at the top of the page. And then let's test the second value proposition at the top of the page and the third. So you have an A-B test where you go through and you just substitute in those statements. Now, that's not to say that that has to be your opening statement. And that's not to say that you're just going to put that raw value proposition as your headline. But what this does is it tells you, hey, when we put this value proposition first, we had and then whatever your success metric is, we had X number more clicks. We had X number more form completions. We had X number less bounces from our site. Bounce rates or clicks are usually a really good indication as to whether or not your value proposition is resonating. So you can start out with something as simple as that. Let's just substitute in each value proposition as the first statement or the first content piece on the page and see what kind of response that generates. That's going to immediately give you an idea as to how powerful each of your value propositions is. Now, usually what happens is all of your value propositions resonate, but there are going to be some that resonate way more than others. So once you know that, then you can start tweaking, you can start playing around with the language of that value proposition. Should we ask this in the form of a question? Let's say, again, going back to the pillow example, let's say that the most powerful value proposition that I have for a pillow is it helps you sleep cooler. So I could ask a question, tired of waking up in the middle of the night sweating? Or I could say the pillow that sleeps 90% cooler than any other pillow. Those are essentially pulling on the same pain point, but one is a statement and one is a question. And so then you can start running tests where you are tweaking the actual verbiage of that value proposition. But first, you have to understand what value proposition even matters to these people.
1: We're talking a lot about the value prop and finding how it resonates as opposed to a more branded or generalized term. And I would say that, you know, using my website as the example, I started off very generalized to try to build impulse and then got into the description. Is there any rule of thought in terms of page priority when you know what your ranking, you know, your prioritized list of your value props are, whether the value prop should be first or whether you should get into general positioning?
2: So the first thing that you need to understand is who is my audience? Because this will work phenomenally well for some demographics. Now, my guess is that your target demographic is people that are already doing some kind of marketing. You're probably marketing to marketers. True. So marketers sometimes like a less direct approach. They like a creative approach. Older demographics do not like that. I'll use my father-in-law as a perfect example. I love watching him browse the internet. He's in his late 60s and he has zero tolerance for fluff. You know, if he goes to a website and he can't tell within like three seconds what the company does and what he's supposed to do, verbally, he'll be like, I don't know what the hell these guys are trying to do on this website, you know, and (laughs) and he'll leave. (laughs) So it's important to understand your demographic and then to test your approach. Should I get into things directly? Should I address this head on? Or can I be a little bit more creative? What you're doing is you're telling a story on your website. And that's beautiful if people will allow you to tell the story. But if they don't, if somebody comes to your homepage and all they see is your first three headlines, they have no idea what you do. They don't know why they should stay and they're going to bounce. So again, understand your audience and then test out a direct versus an indirect approach with your demographic. And you also want to test, this is where content becomes really important because you also want to test how much information does my audience even need to know in order to do X on my site. If I'm selling a product, I wanna ask on each page of my site, how much information do they need on this page to make the decision I want them to make? If they are on a lead capture page and I want them to fill out a form, I need to ask how much information do they need in order to fill out the form? And I'm not asking that question for you to tell me. I'm asking that question so that you can go and investigate that and test.
1: One of the things that sticks out to me the most about what you're saying is that the resonance of your audience with your message and how that actually impacts how you should organize the copy on your website, like those three things are related. And you talk about your father-in-law who's in his 60s wanting everything to be direct, right? And then I think of a handful of fashion e-commerce brands where their homepage doesn't even show the product it's all about the mission, right? It's all about uh, what you're trying to achieve by wearing this type of fitness pants and the journey you're gonna go on. And then there's a separate page that's not on the homepage, that's their products page. And that to me seems totally backwards when you're an e-commerce company not having your actual products on your homepage seems insane. But I've seen that a bunch lately where the homepage is not the shop.
2: Let me say this, the vast majority of people that are doing that have not tested. So I would not assume just because a company is successful, that that approach works. It's like if you were to look at Apple and say they sell more phones than anybody, so their site must be the best damn site in the entire world. Well, if you try to copy Apple's website, their site is not built to convert people that don't know what their product is. They have built up so much brand equity that they don't need to convert you on the website. If you're going to their site, you're already converted. So you want to be very careful not to make the mistake to assume that because a brand is doing well, that their website is extremely functional or converts extremely well. They might have a rabid Instagram fan base that's going to buy anything they put on there and is willing to dig several pages deep. But you might not have that with your audience. Let me tell you one last story to wrap this up. So John Lee Dumas has several sites. He runs an extremely successful podcast. And on his podcast, he'll talk about these different products that he has. One of them is the Freedom Journal. And this is a journal that helps people set goals for themselves. And it's a personal development journal. So we ran a test on his page When I went to the homepage of his website, there was virtually no content. Now you could scroll down on the page and you could get a lot of content as you scroll down. But when you first went there, it was like a headline, the freedom journal, a picture of the thing and a button. And I said, how come you don't have any value propositions on here? And he said, well, people don't need value propositions. They're coming from my podcast. They already know what the product is. They already know what value it's going to bring to them. So they don't need value propositions. So I said, well, let's get some data to prove that. So we ran a test where we added value propositions, added content up above the fold. We were just bringing stuff up that was lower on the page up to the top. And lo and behold, every variation where we added value propositions increased conversion rates. And our best performing variation increased revenue by about 20% just by moving some value propositions up higher on the page. And so what that told us was these assumptions that he had made about his audience were not entirely correct. People did need to be reminded about the value propositions. They needed them up at the top, front, and center. So again, you want to cast out some of your assumptions about your audience. And even when you're looking at your competitors, you want to cast out assumptions that they know what they're doing because a lot of people that are doing well don't know what they're doing.
1: (laughs) Always good to hear. Even the successful people don't know what the hell they're doing. (laughs) On that note, that wraps up this episode of the MarTech Podcast. Thanks to Chris Daly, owner of Smart CRO, for joining us. In part two of this interview, which we're going to publish tomorrow, Chris is going to talk to us about some of the major tips he has for CRO and some of the tools that he uses. If you can't wait until our next episode and you'd like to learn more about Chris, you can click on the link to his LinkedIn profile in our show notes. You can send him a tweet. His handle is Chris Daly, C-H-R-I-S-D-A-Y-L-E-Y. Or you could visit his company's website, which is smart-cro.com. He's also launching a course to help you with your CRO efforts, which is smart-cro.com slash course. Just one link in our show notes I want to tell you about. If you didn't have chance to take notes while you were listening to this podcast, head over to martechpod.com. Where we have summaries of all of our episodes we have contact information for our guests you could sign up for a newsletter you can even send us your topic suggestions or your marketing questions which we'll answer live on our show of course you can always reach out on social media my handle is benjshap b-e-n-j-s-h-a-p on linkedin and on twitter and if you haven't subscribed yet and you want a daily stream of marketing and technology knowledge in your podcast feed In addition to part two of our conversation with Chris Daly, owner of Smart CRO, we're going to publish an episode every day during the work week. So hit the subscribe button in your podcast app, and we'll be back in your feed tomorrow morning. All right, that's it for today. But until next time, my advice is to just focus on keeping your customers happy.